Alright legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive. The first episode of a new year. I got a great feeling about 2022. The deck is stacked, etc, etc. Okay, but obviously pretty weird time. Uh, you know, there's huge events sweeping the nation or event. I'm not sure what you would call it. Obviously, I am talking about the Triple J Hottest 100. It is once again upon us. And so it is once again time for my annual public service announcement to vote local. Okay? Trust me, Olivia Rodrigo does not need your vote. Okay? She's doing just fine. She's got an arena tour all over the world this year. Okay? I follow her on Instagram pretty fucking closely. So, so trust me, this information is correct. But, you know, whether Olivia Rodrigo, whether driver's license comes 17th or, you know, first, I have a sneaking suspicion that her career will continue to trend upwards. Okay, but we got so many great Australian artists here who are freaking part-time telemarketers, even though they've got the voice of Adele. So vote local, vote Australian, get around some local artists. And, you know, if they make the top five, they usually get a bit of radio play on, on the FM channels, which really do nothing for no one. Those goddamn corporate sellouts, talking about Nova, etc. Um, but yeah, vote local, dude. Vote for some beautiful Australian artists, this hottest 100, and just change someone's fucking life, dude. You know what I mean? You could have some bloke pouring your schooner next week cut to a couple of weeks after the hottest 100 they've just come forth as part of who gives a fuck and now they're off to the races you know what i mean so make some dreams come true this hottest 100 and vote local and uh and then you got you know on, on australia day you can do your better 100 with all your mates so it's all happening this is without a doubt the best time of year okay and i'm off to a flyer in 2022 because like any man worth his salt in this great city of Sydney, um, you know, what should be the nation's capital, the people's capital, I think we can all agree. And if you can't agree on Sydney being the capital, you can at the very least agree that Canberra should not be. Okay? I think we're very much on the same page across the nation. That whether it is Melbourne or Sydney, and at this stage I would in fact settle for Brisbane, as this great nation's capital. But we're all on the same page that whoever it is, as long as it's not fucking Canberra, we're moving forwards, okay? It's a small town masquerading as a city, that place. And, I mean, not even their lake is real, okay? I, know, I knew some kids in my primary school with hyphenated last names who were suspect enough. Now we got a freaking man-made lake with a hyphenated last name? Drain it. What the fuck are you hiding, Okay? But whatever. What I'm talking about, of course, is, you know, like any man worth his salt in the great city of Sydney, the Harbour City, I have, in fact, uh, caught COVID-19. And I've done that because I'm a team player. Okay? I've got COVID because I put others ahead of myself. All right? A lot of people avoiding COVID. Wow. What's, what's really for the betterment of this great city? 
avoiding COVID and, you know, hoping to eventually get it in March, like some sort of a coward, once you've got your 21st booster shot and your confidence is ready and the weather's right, no. No, 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 no. Okay, the right thing to do is to get COVID as quick as you can and just take that bullet for this great city. Okay, the quicker you get it, the quicker you've got it. It's behind you. You know what I mean? So, I've got COVID. I've actually probably still got it, really. I'm, I'm not the wellest I've ever been, even though today is my last day of isolation, I think. But, and I got, I got proper COVID. I got, I've been knocked around, you know. Um, January 4th, I think it was, or last Tuesday, January 4th, I know because it was my sister's birthday, and had the shakes, hot and cold, sweating, I honestly didn't think anything of it. To be honest, I honestly thought I was just coming down from New Year's Eve. Okay? You know, hot and cold, got the shakes. I just thought this is because of some light narcotic use uh, at the end of 2021. You know? I'm, I'm freaking... I've got a raging temperature and, and sort of, you know, fidgeting all over the place. I, I didn't think it was COVID. I honestly just thought it was because I bought a cap off some guy called Ricardo on New Year's Eve. All right, that's, you know, I, I've been getting the shakes on January 4 for years, okay? It's not COVID, it's business as usual at Billy Darcy headquarters, all right? So I'm freaking sweating up a storm thinking, you deserve this, you know what I mean? That thing was fucking purple and you still took it. So, you know what I mean? I wasn't exactly 100% that I had COVID. And then also, you know, I was thinking, you know, what am I going to do with my life, this sort of stuff? start to get the, you know, the lack of dopamine from the drugs. And I'm thinking, do the time or do the crime, I should say. Do the crime, do the time. That's what I was thinking on January 4 when I was freaking seizuring out in my bed. And then on January 5, I was still pretty sick. And I thought, oh, my, this might actually be um, this disease that literally everyone has. So maybe you should go down that avenue, Bill. You know what I mean? So I took a test and I was COVID positive and, you know, positive doesn't begin to describe my result. I mean, it says you should wait 15 to 30 minutes for the rapid antigen test to, uh, you know, give you your results. I was COVID positive within seven seconds. Okay. It was like, I must be filled to the brim. I've never seen a lines appear quicker than, you know, last time I was at some CEO's 40th. I'll tell you that because man, I was, I was positive so quickly and I've been really sick, to be honest. Um, you know, we got the full spectrum here at my house. We got me, crook as a dog, okay? And a lot of people will get COVID and they won't actually get sick or even develop any symptoms. To me, that's rude, okay? Here in my body, when you come in, you get the full tour, Okay? Check out all my vital organs, my immune system. Go nuts. Have a sticky beak, okay? I've got Australia's own blue-collar jab, AstraZeneca, flowing through my veins. So make no mistake, COVID's not a threat. You know, my, if, if COVID in my body is like... It's like some, some city slickers in an Airbnb in Port Macquarie. You know what I mean? They're fucking annoying, but they're only going to be here for like a week. So just put a smile on and tell them where the best restaurants are. That's my attitude to COVID, you know? I put a fucking... I put a film on for the lads last night. The Pursuit of Happiness, you know? So, I've, I've been sick as a dog. And, uh, you know, 
AstraZeneca has been been getting its work in. I've definitely uh, I've either got heaps of immunity after this, or I'll be more brittle than ever, and even a stiff breeze will take me out. But we'll have to we'll have to find out together. <laughs> I didn't uh, I didn't I didn't post on Instagram that I have COVID because so many people I fucking hate did it that I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> Dude, just... The, there's so many pelicans who are like, got COVID, right? Thousands of people in the hospital, people in the ICU. And there's so many like absolute nerds I know who are like 23, completely asymptomatic, don't even have a single symptom and post on Instagram like, well, great start to 2022. Looks like my New Year's is fucked. Cheers, COVID, you legend. Bleh. Couple of sunglass emojis at the end of that garbage. I don't. I don't honestly know what goes through people's heads. Well, looks like my New Year's is ruined. I'm sorry. Were you under the impression anyone gave a fuck? <laughs> were you under the impression anyone was sitting at home going, "Fuck"? I hope Michael Thompson, who I went to high school with, until he left in year eight. I hope he has a bloody good New Year's Eve. Hey, I wonder what he's getting up to. God, I'd hate for that to be ruined. And if it was ruined, I'd, I'd like to know about it. You know, it's like, <laughs> I can't believe it. The, the, the depth of, uh, just the depth of some of these pelicans, really. I mean, we got nurses working 14 hours a fucking day. But hang on a minute, because Michael Thompson can't go to his mate's gathering. <laughs> there was 12 people going and they were all blokes. Oh, no. <laughs> Shut up. You know what I mean? Jesus Christ, dude. So I've got COVID, but I've also got a great attitude. So you know what I mean? What the fuck are you up to? But a bit to get through in this podcast, I will admit. Um, I was thinking about not doing it this week because like I am quite sick. But there's like if I don't do this one, then next week's is probably going to have to be like, you know, four and a half hours long. So thought it'd be better to knock it out. And uh, I did have a fair few blokes message me that if I didn't put out a podcast this week, they would in fact harm themselves. So, you know, I don't want any blood on my hands. Better to just turn up to the office, bash it out and uh, keep everyone alive. If uh, these messages I received were as, uh, as real as they felt. But anyway, let's crack into a few yarns. Um, so, New Year's Eve. So me and Maka were here in Sydney. And let me tell you, if you spent Christmas New Year's in Sydney, you are just like me, an absolute idiot. Okay, this place turned into such a like ghost town slash war zone. It was insane. Like everybody has COVID in Sydney. And if you don't have COVID in Sydney, I mean, I would contact the government and make sure you're in fact a real person. You might be a dream. If you live in Sydney and you don't have COVID, you are a dream. Make no mistake about it, okay? You're not real. Everyone in Sydney has COVID, and people are just going down left and right. And it was so weird here in Sydney. Me and Macca went to this great pub in Manly on Boxing Day, right? Boxing Day around 3 p.m., went for a swim, went to the pub for a few beers to watch the cricket. 28 degrees, Boxing Day, freaking Boxing Day test on, ashes, sun's out. This pub holds about a thousand people or whatever, and there was seven blokes in there. 
and and their median age was about 73. So, you know, they weren't scared of getting COVID, but if you look at the size of their ankles, they definitely should be, okay? They definitely should be. So it was kind of, it's kind of a weird vibe in Sydney, to be honest. Like, it's all a bit up and down, you know? Uh, to, my, to my coward friends in Perth, I'm sure you had the best Christmas New Year's ever, and uh, I, salute, I salute your state and its fierce border policy, okay? <laughs> but anyway, so New Year's Eve. Now, one thing you should know about Macca and me on New Year's Eve is that Macca, previous to this year, had never had a New Year's kiss. Okay, and this is the funniest thing ever because he's tried so hard to get one over the years. <laughs> like, it's not like he's one of those guys who's like, New Year's is overrated. And by the way, people who say New Year's is overrated, you're overrated. You know when like you, you, you ask someone, oh, hi, what are you doing for New Year's? And they're like, New Year's never lives up to the expectations, always a letdown. And it's like, God, you're a letdown, you know, never lives up to your expectations. What the fuck were you expecting? You're hoping to get blown by three strippers on the stroke of midnight? If that's the case, then yeah, it probably won't live up to the expectations. Like, I don't understand what people expect from New Year's Eve. I just want to go out, get blind, have heaps of fun. You know, do the countdown and potentially uh, kiss a nearby girl on the lips at midnight. Okay? And that's that. I don't know what people expect. I don't know. You know, I went to Falls Festival years ago and Anderson Pack forgot the countdown. He started playing a song at 11.59. <laughs> we all thought he was doing something weird. This must be like, you know, some rap thing. And he's going he's gonna to stop mid-verse and do the countdown or something. And then he just totally forgot and we did the countdown at 12.07. He tried to brush past it. He was like, who gives a fuck? It's New Year's when I say it is. To which I replied, actually, Anderson Pack, that's not how that works at all. It's actually New Year's at midnight Eastern Standard Time. Okay, you're in Sydney. Fix up that attitude. I guess we're in Byron Bay, I should say. But even then, we did the countdown at 12.07. And no one got a New Year's kiss that night because everyone was like, what the fuck is going on? Okay. And that New Year's still lived up to my expectations. I still had the best time ever. He, and then you got blokes who were going to a freaking gathering in their mate's backyard with 17 nerds. And they're like, New Year's, never as good as you think it's going to be. <laughs> it's like, what did you think was going to happen? You guys, are, you guys have got a ping pong tournament going at 10 p.m. And apparently this isn't living up to your expectations. Okay, guy, what was your name again? Brandon? Yep. <laughs> Hit the fucking bricks, you nerd, you know? <laughs> I don't know what people want out of this life. Just put a smile on and get in the fucking mix, dude. So, I don't even know what I was talking about. Sorry about that. Sort of lost my place in my fury at these blokes with bad attitudes. But anyway, okay, so I was talking about New Year's Eve. Macca has never had a New Year's Eve kiss. And it doesn't look like he's going to get one in 2021. Okay, we got no plans. 
And by that, I mean like everyone we know is either away or has COVID. Like everyone in Sydney has COVID. Me and Macca are just dodging it anyway. So me and Macca don't have COVID. Uh, we get a ragtag crew together of like people from all different parts of our lives. About 10 of us. Go down to Manly, get blind, watching the fireworks. End up, and we had no plans. We end up at this house party um, because we believed in the magic of New Year's. We got there at about, I want to say, 11.30. And this house party is like 95% girls. So, you know, it's looking, it's, you know, may the odds be forever in your favor, as, um, as they say in Lord of the Rings. But it's looking good. And anyway, so I'm chatting away um, to a few, few people there. And then, you know, you, you hear the 10, 9, 8. And it's like, we're off the, you know, here, here we go, 2022. How good's this? Now, I, I entered 2022 the way I, the way I entered 2021. Giving a beautiful young lady a gentleman's peck, okay? Because I'm a 6 out of 10 with a good attitude, all right? And if you want to French kiss me, you have to meet my mum first, okay? So I was handing out a few gentlemen's pecks, and then I noticed out of the corner of my eye, Macca, 27 years undefeated, never got a kiss on New Year's Eve. He's got his first New Year's Eve kiss. Beautiful, beautiful girl as well, I must admit. Not that I would ever objectify a woman, but if you were to, if you were to objectify this particular lady, then then you wouldn't have too much trouble doing it because she was extremely attractive. So, Macca's got a New Year's kiss. I'm thinking, go on, Macca, you absolute legend. Go nuts. And then 10 minutes later, I think, well, this guy's making up for lost time. Him and this chick are up against the pool fence, sort of... She's sort of climbing him like a fucking building. I mean, it was bizarre. And then absolutely sort of mounting each other. A lot of French kissing going on. Okay. A lot of French kissing. And then freaking, you know, I think 12.35, I look over. Uh, you know, Macker and this girl are still going at it. My God, he might have he might have had a dry streak before. But I think this guy, you know, this 25-minute sort of pash session, as it were, it was like an episode of Puberty Blues out there. I mean, it's, it was crazy. I think, that was, I think they're still going somewhere. I think they're still making out to this day. But Macca made up for, you know, the previous, the previous 15 years or whatever, or 10 years, and uh, absolutely filled his boots. So good on him. We had a great old time. And then New Year's Day, I get the call, uh, all the soccer boys, the pub that sponsors us, they are putting on a huge bar tab for us because they were having some event and no one was going because literally everyone in Sydney has COVID. So they needed to get some people into the pub. So we got a list of 40 blokes and a like a $2,000 bar tab. Me and Macca don't want to go. Okay, we don't want to go. It's all the soccer lads, love them to death, but we are so fucked from New Year's Eve. Um, like I said, I got my hands on some of those narcotics, so I've got the sads and we don't want to go, but the, my mate who invited us is such a legend and I told him I would come. So I thought, you know, if I say, you know, if I, if I say it, I'll do it traditionally, or at least I try to, you know? So I go, I told him I'd go, come on, let's just go. Anyway, 40 blokes on the piss. It can't be too bad, can it? Well, we get down there and nobody has turned up. Out of the 40 names, there's seven of us. Um, two of the blokes I recognize from soccer. 
the other six I've personally never met before or even sort of remotely come into contact with. Uh, my mate who invited me, who organized the whole thing, not even he turns up. So, so what's, I don't know what's going on at this point. And then, so we get down there, there's seven blokes there and they go, Hey Billy, uh, wh- when are you organizing the bar tab? And I said, I-, I have no idea. I said, I thought, um, I thought old mate would be doing it. And there's a- absolutely utterly, utter confusion amidst the chaos Possibly a, you know, the boys, the boys lean on a familiar leadership figure. You know, obviously the season before last, I was captain and I did break a league record with four yellows and two reds. And, you know, when in doubt, you, you know, you turn to who you've trusted before. So next thing you know, the owner of the pub comes over and says, Hey, Bill, have you sorted that? Have you guys got your bar tab sorted? I said, mate, we don't. So he goes, I'll sort it for you. And he comes over and hands me a freaking you know, a, a bar tab card or whatever with $2,000 on it and says, go absolutely nuts. So I'm thinking, fucking hell, I didn't want to be here originally, but now you've got yourself a willing young man. Let's absolutely get into our work, you know? And I noticed one of the lads, uh, one of the more eccentric young men is already having like some sort of a passion fruit mocktail bullshit. I think that retails for about $37 and it's got half a standard drink in it. So I said to the lads, I said, I said, no Buffalo Bill shit, okay? I don't want any of you buying freaking triple passion fruit margaritas and wasting this bar tab with your selfish palate, okay? It's let's keep it, let's keep it schooners and wine, and let's go absolutely nuts. Okay? And uh, you know, and that's what we did for about two hours, three hours. And I clearly don't understand like what like I'm not very good with numbers, okay? So about three hours in, the boys are fucked. And I ask um, the lady behind the bar how much money we have left. And she's like, you got like 1500 left. So at this point, it's like, Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? And so I said, I said, boys, I'm so sorry. I am, I'm, you know, I'm flawed. Um, I miss my ex-girlfriend and I'm not good with numbers. Okay, so open the floodgates. Let's go absolutely nuts on the cocktails and let's just burn this thing to the ground. There's still only like seven of us there. Out of 40, six people turned up. I don't know what anyone was doing. I think everyone had COVID, to be honest. I got a late call up. So it was... And then now it's just... And now I'm that guy where... Do you ever feel like you're just ruining the bartender's day? Like there's a beautiful blonde lady behind the bar. Very, very um, lovely. And I was chatting to her throughout the day, and I and now I'm the guy who comes over. I go, I go, I'm so sorry. I said, Kate, I am so goddamn sorry, but I need twelve margaritas. And you know, she she was like, No, it's okay. And I said, That's ruined. You know, it's taken her fifteen minutes to make these things. Felt like such a piece of shit. But anyway, well, the boys are absolutely getting into their work, and one of the great days. And. Uh, it led to a pretty significant strikeout because I was talking to this blonde chick all day behind the bar and then around, I want to say seven, we got there at two, at about 7 p.m. the bar tab ran out and, uh, you know, that was, we had to work hard for that as well. It did not come easy, okay? One of the boys, um, a redhead, you know, a relevant detail, but, you know, just to help you paint a visual picture of uh, sort of you know, sort of the cast and crew we had there, but one of the one of the lads, the the redheaded one, um, he couldn't handle the heat. He was ejected around five p.m. and he was looking sideways by about four. You know, he was hanging on by a thread. 
And, uh, you know, a couple of the younger boys were starting to drop off. Um, but huge day. And then, so then the bar tab ends and I, I'm chatting away to Kate behind the bar. And I order like three vodka sodas. One for me, one for Macca, and, and you know, and one for the nation, okay? <laughs> and, and I'm chatting away and we're getting on really well. I'm thinking, fuck yeah, I might, I, I might try and get this chick's number here actually. And, um, and then she charged me like seven bucks for the, for the three vodka sodas. It should have been like 33 or whatever. They're like 11 bucks each. Charged me like seven for all three. And then I drink these things and it's like, it's like nine parts unleaded 98, one part soda water, you know? I mean, this thing was just like, it's like pure diesel, okay? So I'm thinking, oh man, maybe this chick likes me because like she's barely charged me and she's poured me about 47 standards in each drink. So I go, I go back over and I go, Kate, what are you doing to me? I said, these things are so goddamn strong. And she goes, oh, I didn't pour those. And I go, yeah, right. Who did? She goes, she goes, I think Jason did like the 19 year old bloke behind the bar. And um, he had mentioned earlier that he had seen some of my comedy. So I thought, oh, this makes a bit more sense. And then I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking, oh, fuck, it was the bloke who gave me these friendly paws, not her. But it's too late, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. I said, oh, I said, well, you know, he's a legend. I said, Kate, by the way, are you single by any chance? And she said, Billy, I am not single. And I said, oh, well, easy come, easy go. (laughs) Oh, dude, it was so embarrassing. I thought this chick had poured me up like these super strong drinks because she liked me. It was the fucking 19-year-old bloke the whole time. She's at, she has a boyfriend and no interest in me. And I'm walking around. I'm telling Macca, oh, mate, the chick behind the bar is keen as a bean. I'm, I'm in there like swimwear. You know, insert another rhyming, rhyming couplet. Um, but yeah, totally misjudged that one. Luckily, just as I struck out, um, they closed the outdoor area and everyone had to go inside. Or, or we all went inside. They opened a dance floor or something inside. Something happened and we all went inside. And it was great timing. RE my rejection uh, from the girl in the beer garden. So, <clears throat> bit of a testy pop there as well, hey? So, anyway, we go inside. And I've got to give a shout out to a listener. Daniel Patterson. Great bloke. Met him on uh, New Year's Day. Anyway, so Pato comes up to, to me and Macca and uh, chatting away. Absolute legend. And he goes, have a go at Macca. He starts screaming. He's as blind as us. And he just starts screaming. He goes, Macca is a fucking killer. He's a killer. Lock him up. Somebody lock him up. He's an animal. And he's just going nuts. Like, I've never seen a guy scream as loud as he can like this. Like, it's like freaking veins popping out of his head and stuff. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And so Macca... So Macca says to him, hey, Pato, fucking say that on the, on the microphone, you lunatic. And we're like, hey, we're all laughing. Pato disappears. Anyway, about a minute later, we just hear on the microphone, Macca is a fucking killer. He's an absolute killer. Someone put a leash on him. Because <laughs> there was like, he took the DJ's mic. Oh, it was so funny. And then like 30 seconds later, Pato's getting escorted out by like three security guards. Oh, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Oh, Pelican of the Week slash Hero of the Week. Whatever you want to call it. Shout out to Pato. Avid listener. And uh, that was one of the funniest things I saw that day. So thanking you, great man. Thanking you. And uh, 
anyway, so camera's about to run out here, but just to finish it off, I got so fucking blind and I remember kissing this, like, I want to legitimately say, I want to say she was like full on 43 minimum, this pommy woman, like 43 years old. I was hooking up with her at like 11 and then I was like, Macca, we have to go. Like this chick looked 43, okay? Like it was like, it was not kosher. So yeah. And then two days later, I tested positive. So I never got that that beautiful pommy lady's number, but um, Godspeed, babe. Godspeed, okay? So just a wild couple of days, super fun, a few yarns there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Okay, so just before I get into the ashes, which I will talk about in depth, I just want to quickly recap. Um, obviously, I came runner-up again for guest of the year on the Luke and Lewis podcast. Uh, if you're not familiar with Luke and Lewis, it's just a phenomenal Australian comedy podcast that I go on, and uh, it's really popular, and they have a huge guest of the year award each year, and I have come second two years in a row. So, to say this thing is rigged is an understatement. I mean, it's pretty clear the will of the people is for Billy Darcy to wear gold and wear, you know, wear the ring. Um, but I came second again. But this time, I actually got to fly down and attend the award ceremony, which is pretty fun. It's like a huge live show. So, firstly, I thought you had to get a COVID test to get into Melbourne. So, I got a COVID test like two days before. But the wait for results in Sydney at the time was like, it was like just skyrocketing. So I went to Melbourne. I got to the airport. It turns out you didn't need one. Thank God. And I did look into it, but the rules are changing so much. It's hard to know, you know, what's up really. And uh, so I went down to Melbourne and I hadn't got my freaking COVID results yet. So I was so nervous. I thought I was like, fuck, I'm going to land in Melbourne and then get the text that I'm positive. Because Macca at the time was pretty bloody ill. Okay? So me and Macca got PCR tests and we had to wait like four hours in the car. You know, obviously Macca's company is pretty average at the best of times. So so I get down to Melbourne and I get the I literally I take my freaking phone off airplane mode and I the text comes through that I'm negative. So now I'm like, fuck yeah. I foolishly spent the whole trip down writing my acceptance speech. Um, so that was pretty silly in hindsight because I came second and was not able to give a speech. Um, but it was really fun because I was actually sort of part of the show. Like I was presenting an award and also I was doing all the red carpet interviews uh, on the pre-show on the YouTube live stream. And I get down there, the boys have given me zero instructions on what I'm doing or how to do it. Um, so I was a little bit nervous, but at the same time, it's not bloody rocket science, is it? So get down there, they say, just, you know, uh, interview people, ask some questions, etc. You know, I just, I just turn on the charm. It's not hard. And so I've, uh, I was doing the pre-show interviews for about 40 minutes. It was so fun. Everyone there is like super friendly and they're all like massive Luke and Lewis fans. So like people knew who I was, which is pretty cool. Um, when I walked in at the start, like when we, I started doing the interviews, all the crowd was like, Billy, Billy. And at this point, I'm thinking, fuck yeah, dude, I'm going to win. And then, uh, which again, 
And I'm, you know, I'm just adding to my acceptance speech at this point. It's about four pages long by this point. Um, and then, yeah, I've interviewed one girl who I was like, this is by far the hottest chick here. And then the next day she responded to my story and she was actually 17. So I apologize for that. Um, yeah, that was, that was unfortunate. But at the same time, you know, that's, that's the nature of live entertainment. You know, we don't always have all the information. So I apologize for that. Um, but then they called out the winner. I was actually pretty certain it was me this time because, you know, coming second two years in a row, that's a bit fucking embarrassing, isn't it? That couldn't happen to me. I'm Billy Darcy. Well, well, guess what, Billy Darcy? You did come second again. And uh, I ran on stage and uh, pretended to like be furious and almost fight Ruben Solo, who won. And then um, I was like, you know, I went nuts on the mic. It's on YouTube. You should check it out, actually, if you haven't seen it. Um, the It's called The Loogies, the Luke and Lewis Award Show. Um, if you skip to when they give out Guest of the Year, I like run on stage and... I'm like, fuck this competition. This is fucking rigged. Like, I'm going nuts. And then I get like dragged off. Obviously, I wasn't, you know, being genuine. But at the same time, I was. Um, so, yeah, it was so fun. Really great night. Stayed at Luke Kidgel's place. <laughs> that guy's doing well, just quietly. And uh, he's an absolute legend. Oh, I love those guys. Great, great times. I had so much fun down there. And, uh, yeah, I guess I'm going around again for Guest of the Year on Luke and Lewis. Third time's the charm, baby. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Can I please fuck it? It'd be handy if I had more than seven YouTube subscribers. I'd say that. Last year, I lost to Darren Levy. He literally has a million YouTube subscribers. This year, I... Uh, dude, I'm up against people who are so much more famous than me. It's unbelievable. Ruben Solo has like 500,000 TikTok followers. I think I have 73. <laughs> and then... um. Dude, one of the one of the guests um, on the podcast this year was actually Andy Lee, so thank God he didn't take the the competition seriously or or even sort of know he was in the running, um, because if he campaigned, I mean that would have been it would have been all over Red Rover for everyone. So really, just just lucky to 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 get on the podium with some of the competition. Friendly Geordies, I mean that guy's like some sort of a cultural figure now, and you got fucking local admin assistant Billy Darcy. Just swinging from the hip. <laughs> oh, God. So that was a bit of fun. But at the same time, let's fucking get into the ashes, hey? Okay, so... God, I was hoping this podcast would be kind of short. Um, because I'm still... To be honest, I'm still quite sick. Um, but at the same time, who really gives a fuck? So... Alright, so... Alright, so the ashes... I don't even know where to begin. I'm freaking overwhelmed by the topic and I am feeling panicked because there's so much to talk about and I really don't know where to begin. But I'll say this. So last, before I had my uh, Christmas break for the podcast, we had the first test match out of the way. Obviously, we have since won the Ashes and it's been such a great series. I'm enjoying it so much. Um, even though like not really much competition, I still think like the cricket has been fucking really exciting. And firstly, I'll say this. So a couple of things in regards to my predictions. Firstly, I'll say I had truly no idea. I misunderstood how bad England were. 
Okay, when I was talking about, oh, I hope Travis Head can do well and, you know, Warner never gets runs when we need him and this sort of stuff, I truly, I didn't really, I didn't know England were this bad. Okay, I knew they were pretty bad, but I thought it would be a lot more competitive than it has been. Um, like, you know, first thing, my prediction was, you know, Warner will have to work hard against Braun and Anderson. They didn't even fucking play in the first game. So, you know what I mean? Stuff like that I didn't see coming. And some of the cricket they've played has been, like, it's been really uh, not good enough and, like, not test-level cricket. And that's why they're losing. They're just not good enough uh, as a team, okay? So I didn't really understand that. But a couple of things. Firstly, Scotty Boland, or Scott Poland, as some people are referring to him as. I'll say probably my favorite moment of the Ashes so far. I was watching with Macca. That afternoon when he took uh, two for none and England were four for 30. And it was just unbelievable. Like When he got, um, I can't remember who he got out first. And then he bowled Jack Leach and Jack Leach left that ball. And MCG's just going nuts. And then the next morning when he took four for none again. And Scott Boland, I will say, like this guy, I, I, he was not on my radar at all. Um, he came in as an MCG specialist whatever that means, because the MCG is garbage track, traditionally, before they prepared this raging green top, and well done. I think the pitches have been fantastic, and that's why, even though England have been so bad, the test matches have been so exciting because of how difficult the pitches are. You know, if we rolled, if we just had all these flat tracks, we'd be getting like 600 in the first innings, and it would be so boring, you know what I mean? But the pitches have been green, and there's been plenty in them, so I've really enjoyed it. Um, but Scott Boland, like, this guy's, like, legitimately, like, a freak. Like, they show the graphics of him hitting that great area just outside off. He just hits the top of off for a living. I think he's bowled one bouncer so far. And it was a really good bouncer as well. Um, the guy obviously has, like, low-level, sort of, some sort of an Asperger's or something, or very introverted. I've never seen a guy who hates attention as much as Scott Boland. Like, he, he goes down, the MCG is going nuts, and he's, like, keeping his head down. You know, he won't even wave at them. You know, the guy, the guy hates it, which I think is part of his charm, really. Um, but, yeah, Scott Boland is just fantastic. He's bowling great. And then, um, so that's fantastic. Now, the next thing, obviously, I'm going to talk about this, and obviously, I'm about to absolutely carry on. Because all of my predictions before the Ashes were dead wrong. Except for one. And we all know what that was. Usman fucking Kawaja. I told you. I fucking told you guys. This guy is a gun. Usman has been so screwed over by the selectors in the last three to four years. It is unbelievable. I think they showed um, players to get 10 centuries, 10 test centuries since 2015. There's only like 10 blokes and the company is elite. And Usman's in there. Okay, and you want to talk about getting runs when we need them. You want to talk about tough runs. How does coming in at three for eighty on a raging green top sound? Hey, how does Broad and Anderson on a green top balls decking all over the place? How does that? How does that? You know, bloody treat ya. Hundred off bloody two hundred and twenty balls or whatever. Went on to get one thirty eight. Just played out of his skin, and it's the class of the man. There's shots all around the ground. You know what I mean? These highlights, he's going, he's going everywhere. And he's got that swag, Uzi, as well. He's always got the shoulders back, looking like he doesn't give a fuck. 
And you know what I mean? Trust your eyes. I think he doesn't give a fuck anymore. He gave this great interview before um, day one at the SCG where he was like, I have nothing to prove to anyone. He goes, I'm just here to enjoy this. And I love that. You know, you would think he's like, oh, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to show the Australian public, you know, I want to send a message. I want to win my spot back. But he had the confidence to say, I have nothing to prove. And he doesn't because the guy averaged, he averaged 41 in test cricket before this test match. The guy is a gun. And, and he's got two, he's got a century and averages like 60 or something opening the batting as well. And his technique is sensational. His temperament. What about the temperament on the man? I mean, and then he comes out in the second innings. Michael Vaughan said this fantastic thing where he said, the first innings, you bat for yourself. You know, just get as many runs as you can. He said, the second innings, you bat for the team. You know, second innings, ball still doing a fair bit. Uzi goes, we need to declare. Let me just put the foot down. He gets 100 off 120 balls, 130 balls, I think. Shots all over the ground, slog sweeps, reverse sweeps. God, this guy is a gun. What an absolute weapon, okay? He hit the celly as well in that first innings with the 100. Did the, did the LeBron. Oh, my God. I will, I, will, I will straight up put my hand up here. I freaking cried when he got that first innings 100. Because I was just so happy for him. I was, like, out of my mind high as well. But also, like, I was so happy for him. And they, they uh, went to his wife who was holding their baby. And, oh, what a moment. And before the game, Uzi was like, I have nothing to prove to anyone. I know I'm a great player. He said, I've got a kid now. Like, I know there's more to life than cricket. And uh, I'm just here to enjoy myself. Well, fuck me, Uzi. You look like you had a freaking smile on your face, you absolute legend. God, he's a weapon. A freaking weapon, dude. And then just to finish up, I will say, so... And then I'm just going to go through every English team member and just roast the fuck out of them just to sort of finish us off here. But um, just to finish up, Alex Carey, right? I noticed when Tim Payne got done with that sexting thing, which everyone, by the way, you know, people people apparently couldn't even eat, get through their wheat bix three weeks ago without thinking of Tim Payne and his filthy text messages. Three weeks later, I haven't heard a single peep out of anyone. As usual, once again, people blew up for no reason because they wanted to freaking feel superior and throw stones from a glass house. And now, good, well done. You've absolutely ruined a man's life for no reason. Probably absolutely decimated his family and his relationships with them. So, fantastic. Good to see absolutely no one cares anymore. And I think if Tim Payne could have just played that first test match, he'd still be playing and he'd be, he'd be going great and he could have retired at the end of the series. But anyway, you look at Alex Carey now. And, and that was a big reason I think a lot of people were happy to just fuck Tim Payne off because everyone was like, Kerry, Kerry's got these mad raps on him. Oh, Kerry this, Kerry that. And I'm an Alex Kerry fan as well. You know, I was happy for him to come in. But you look at Alex Kerry's summer, he's dropped about six catches just quietly. And that's counting, that is counting those ones. He let two go between him and Warner. Anything that goes between first slip and the keeper must be the keeper's catch. You got the gloves on for a reason, brother. Let's fucking use them. But he's dropped about six catches, and I, I honestly would say he should have caught all of them. And he's made no runs. I think he maybe got 150, like at the end of an innings or something. And he's, he's looked average with the bat. Um, and I'm just thinking, like, for everyone who was so gun ho to fuck Tim Payne off, oh, Tim Payne shit, oh, he sucks anyway, he, 
He's only in the team to captain. Well, I guarantee you, if Tim Payne played this summer, he wouldn't. He he's probably dropped maybe one catch, probably none. His glove work's sensational, and Kerry's has been pretty good, but he's dropped a lot of catches. Um, but if Tim Payne plays, he's probably scored a couple of eighties, maybe a ton, and he's probably he's probably not dropped a catch. So you know, be careful what you wish for. You know, be careful what you wish for, cause you just might get it as Eminem once said, and, you know, I just think Tim Payne, I could see it coming, I, I saw the whole thing, he's going to get screwed in two weeks, no one will care about this, they will have moved on to the next thing, oh, Novak Djokovic isn't vaccinated, now we're on him, and, and that's fine, because I think he, Novak Djokovic is a tool, but, but you could just see it coming, it's the same thing every time, and I guarantee if Tim Payne played this series, his keeping would have been exceptional, and he probably would have got, got a couple of great 50s as well. You know, and I, I honestly think Tim Payne, from what I've seen from Alex Carey, Tim Payne is definitely a better number seven test batsman. You know, Tim Payne's got some great runs for Australia, dude. Some tough runs as well. So anyway, that's my thoughts on that. And now I just want to go through the English team and just sort of give my thoughts on each player um, because they're not good. They're not, uh, a lot of them are not test cricketers. Um... Some of them should probably be doing a podcast in their bedroom like me instead of playing at the MCG. I fucking wish I was born in England. I swear to God, I would have dead said had a crack at making it in England. Some of the blokes that end up playing freaking test cricket in England because the level of county cricket is so low. My God. So anyway, let's kick off. First player in the English team I'd like to talk about, Hasib Hamid. Now this guy is, and I mean this, he's not a good batsman. He is truly not good enough to be there. When he walks out to bat, my first thought is, oh no, a lost child has wandered onto the field. I freaking, I put something up on the big screen at the MCG. I said, has anyone lost their child? He's got a beard and, a, and he's a terrible batsman. You know, he'll, he'll be at reception. Come and get him. Hamid, his technique is awful. He goes right back in his crease and then goes forward. So the guy plays forward to balls but his front foot is still not even past his own crease. It is the most useless technique. He has zero temperament, and he is literally a walking wicket. He'll be dropped for Hobart, and he should never, ever play test cricket again. Now, Zach Crawley is next. Zach Crawley, I will say, this guy kind of looks like the villain in like a high school rom-com. You know, he's just big, and he's got blonde hair, and he, he looks like he plays for the football team. And, uh, and, you know, stuffs people in lockers. Um, but I will say, this, this guy can bat. This guy can bat. Like, he looks fucking good. So I hope they stick with him. Interestingly, Mark Waugh pointed out that he doesn't actually traditionally get a lot of runs. I think he might be one of these guys who sort of looks good for a living. There's a lot of batsmen who look so good, and when they do get runs, they get them in such an impressive fashion, it sort of overshadows the fact that they don't often really ha- really do it. So he got 77, but interestingly, his county cricket average is only 33, they said on, on Fox Sports. So yeah, he's got to get more runs, but I think he's a gun, to be honest. He's only 23. Next up, Darwood Milan. I really like watching this guy bat. Started the series great. Um, very unfortunate. Obviously, Darwood is, you know, a mere letter away from being a real name. So, obviously, a slip of a pen on the birth certificate. 
Maybe his dad had had a couple of beers celebrating when he was born, accidentally put a couple of, uh, put an extra V in David and sort of smudged it. And now we've got Darwood. And I think his dad was too sheepish to say anything. And they've just been calling him Darwood for the last 30 years. Um, very unfortunate. Like I said, so close to being a human name. But, but other than that, I, I am a big Milan fan. I think he's a good batsman. And the poor guy, he's going out at freaking one for none, literally every innings. So pretty tough work. Joe Root. I'll say this about Joe Root. Leave this man alone. I cannot believe people are talking about dropping Joe Root as captain. Um, it's like, it's, what can Joe Root do when you've got Hamid facing up to, to open the innings? What can Joe Root do about that? What can Joe Root do about the fact that Jack Leach went for literally 12 and over in the first test match, bowling nothing but fullies and half trackers? Can Joe Root jump into Jack Leach's body and bowl better? Joe Root, I think he had the, the third best calendar year of all time in 2021, like 1,700 runs or something, and people are still calling for him to be dropped as captain. I honestly think you're out of your mind if you think that's going to help anything. Joe Root to stay. Ben Stokes. Now, previously on the podcast, I have absolutely sprayed Ben Stokes because of that incident where he beat the shit out of that guy. And also, I just never really liked him. You know, I'm so sick of these guys who are part South African, part Maori, playing for England. It's like, get a fucking grip, dude. But I will say, I've massively come around on Ben Stokes, just because he gives it his all, and you can just tell, this bloke has got so much cunt in him, it's unbelievable. So, really like Ben Stokes. I thought he batted so well on day five, and he bowls well. He's batting with that side strain. It was inspirational. Really like him. Johnny Bairstow. Johnny Bairstow, what an innings he played. Unbelievable, okay? Johnny Bairstow kind of strikes me as like that redhead kid from school who one day just snaps and comes back and just shoots up the place. You know? (laughs) Johnny Bairstow is like that kid who you just bully him and then one day he goes, actually, I've had enough, you know? The thing I love about Johnny Bairstow is is he's a professional athlete um, and he's in some of the worst shape I think we've ever seen. Um, you, unfortunately you can see the guy's man boobs under his vest. So God knows what they look like under just a shirt. Um, and you know, while he is in horrendous shape, he's definitely not in horrendous form. That was such a great innings. Fucking enjoyed it to be honest. So well done, Johnny Bairstow. Joss Butler. Now, Joss Butler played great in the first innings of the first test, got 40 odd. I thought this guy, he's going to have a crack. You know, he looks like he runs a diamond mine just out of Cape Town. And I thought, this guy, you know, he looks like, he looks evil, but I think he's probably a good bloke and probably an even better cricketer. Um, I don't know what sort of a bloke he is, but he is not in good test match form. I will say that. Um, they're talking about bringing in Sam Billings. I'm very in for that. Uh, Josh Butler's flown home because he broke his hand. I think he's personally lucky. Um, he has been batting horrifically and really putting up no fight, except for one innings, I think, where he batted for like 300 balls. But his glove work has been really sloppy. The wicket-keeping in this, in this test series has been poor across the board, really. When you got one guy who's kept really well, but he's dropped six catches, and then Joss Butler just hasn't kept particularly well at all. Um, yeah. So he's gone, and I would suggest they end his test career. I think get Sam Billings in there or or someone a bit more long-term. 
Um, I think they're talking about Joss Butler captaining the one-day team for England. And I'm happy for that to happen. Now, Mark Wood. This guy bowls wheels and appears to be an absolute legend from the interviews I've seen. So, fair play to him. Um, I honestly love Mark Wood. I don't have a bad word to say about him. Um, the guy literally has got about 74 injuries. He, his, his average pace across most spells is 145. I mean, you get a bowler hits 145 once and the commentators are like, Jesus Christ. You know, Brett Lee's just coming in his pants, you know. But this guy's average pace is 145. So I love that. It's so exciting. Up next is Jack Leach. Now, Jack Leach, the poor guy, I literally have spent the most of the last month feeling sorry for him. I mean, you could just tell before Sydney, when he was coming on to bowl in Melbourne, you could just tell, I mean, this guy has zero confidence. He doesn't even know where the ball's going. And, uh, you know, Macca said, Macca said Jack Leach, he's a professional cricketer playing in the ashes. And Macca said, the first thing I think when I see of him is I feel sorry for him. That's how bad Jack Leach has been. I honestly, I'm with Macca. I feel so sorry for this guy. When he got a couple of poles in the last game, I honestly was like, good on you, buddy. Good on you, little rascal, Jackie. Hey, you poor bloke. You got the worst head of hair we've ever seen. You can't turn a ball off the straight. God, buy a lottery ticket, mate. You are due a win. You poor son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, God. And then finally, Stuart Broad. I'm a massive Stuart Broad fan, even though he's been a bit of a prick over the years. Dude, he bowled so well in the last test. I love that he has an article in the paper and uh, he's been using it to like spray the selectors for not picking him. <laughs> How good's that? <laughs> Imagine you don't get picked for a test match and you go, right, well, someone's getting lit up in the Daily Mail and it's not me. <laughs> I love that. I fucking love that. But he's a gun. He should, him and Anderson should play every test unless like they, you know, they get injured or something. Um, and then finally, Jimmy Anderson. Firstly, I'll say Jimmy Anderson at age 39 is here to steal your misses. I mean, the guy looks phenomenal. He's an absolute sort and he can swing it both ways. So, love Jimmy. Love watching him bowl. Um, I love that he's played 168 tests and still can't bat to save himself. Um, I don't, like, I reckon for the last 68 test matches, he's just gone, look, I can't bat. I'm not even going to try. I mean, the guy comes out and it's just hilarious. So, good on Jimmy. <laughs> I love that guy. And Michael Vaughan has been saying we should savor him because it is his last tour of Australia. And I agree with Michael Vaughan. Okay, um, enjoy Jimmy Anderson. This, this test match coming up, I don't think he's even going to play. So we've probably seen the last of Jimmy Anderson in Australia. So what a privilege. Thank you, Jimmy. Never forget that spell you bowled at Adelaide last Ashes with the pink ball. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. But that is the podcast for this week. Uh, I'm absolutely sweating my tits off. And uh, went way longer than I was hoping. But there's a lot to cover. I've still got some more stories from the Christmas New Year break that I will sort of pepper in over the coming weeks. And, uh, and yeah, I've got some new segments as well I'm going to start up um, that I obviously just couldn't fit into this episode. And, yeah, a, lot of, a few new things coming this year. Going to be mixing it up. And, uh, as you, and then there'll just be yarns as per. And, and, yeah, so a bit of the old, bit of the new, bit of everything in between. Absolutely sweating my tits off, dude. COVID's got me by the balls. And uh, and yeah, dude, 
We're back. <laughs>